And back here for the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour. John Pinkus from the firm is here. Phone lines wide open already, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale, and one 225 talk That number is absolutely toll-free as well. A lot of stuff to cover tonight. We're going to get into our, uh, or at least continue our discussion on the biggest mistakes that individuals make that compromise their legal rights. It's a long list. John will machete our way through that as well. We'll get to your emails. And, of course, we always start with the week that was. Brother, how are you? I'm good, thanks, and good to be good. with you, and uh, I hope that people are listening tonight if they have any situation at work that they're dealing with, or maybe it's not them, but their wife, their mother, their father, their their children. Uh, call in, give us your name, give us a made-up name, or call us off air if you don't want to talk to us on air. Uh, we're here to help, and uh, hopefully you can, you can feel comfortable enough to do that. So I'm just going to start with uh, the week that was, because I had a couple of interesting situations over the past uh, week or so. Uh, so the first situation is a gentleman who'd been working for a company for 12 years as a, quote, sales agent. So that's that's what it basically said in, in his offer letter. And this is someone who had an office, a business card. He had a set schedule, but he had some flexibility with that. And he worked for the company for 35 hours per week. Now, the other five hours he spent working for a second company, doing something completely unrelated for which he had another business card. Well, last December, the company says to this individual – that they were looking at their financial statements and it wasn't looking like it was going to be feasible to continue employing him. So unfortunately, they had to, what they called, terminate the contract. They said, it's not a dismissal, we're terminating the contract. And as a, quote, independent contractor, we don't owe you any severance. But hey, here's $5,000 to sign a release. Well, what did this guy do? He did the right thing. He called us. So I spoke with him over the phone, took a look at his documents, and after having a full appreciation of the circumstances, I eventually determined that he was entitled to about $50,000 nice. in severance. Right. So why? Well, yes, he was arguably a contractor, but at the very least, he was a dependent contractor, and he had never signed any contract that limited his entitlements. So what does that mean for his severance? Well, he gets the exact same, the exact same thing as any other employee gets. So over the past few weeks, we've been negotiating a severance, and it, it looks like we're fortunately going to be able to resolve this one without having to escalate at all. Were the, uh, was the employer uh, hoping that he would just kind of say, oh, wow, five grand, aren't you nice, aren't you sweet, and walk away and not make any, uh, any waves? Yeah, of course. And, and of oh. course, many people do that. They say, hey, I'm not entitled to anything. Here's $5,000. Well, that sounds pretty good. And then, of course, a few months down the line, they have buyer's remorse because they realize <laughs> they're, they've been out of work for six months now. They're looking for a new position with, uh, with no success. And basically, they've signed away their entitlements. And sometimes they'll call us after the fact and they'll say, hey, I signed this release. Reality is not much we can do at that point. So lesson, of course, don't ever sign a release before speaking with a lawyer, and don't just assume that because a company tells you that you're an independent contractor, that you are one. And there's a more subtle message in here, too. And the other message here is that when you're starting an arrangement, whether you're as an employee or a contractor or whatever the case may be, it's always better to start based on a verbal agreement. Because if you get a written agreement, that's going to have some terms in it that could affect your entitlements. And if this individual had something that spoke to his termination entitlements, that may have made things very difficult for us to do. So always try to start a, a, any work relationship you have verbally or on simple terms if possible, over an email is often good. And if you have an employment agreement, get it reviewed by an employment lawyer because you may want to negotiate the terms. 
416-870-6400, star 640 on cell one triple eight two two five talk That's toll-free. Lines are open. You want to chat with John tonight, get some uh, questions answered. You got it. Go for it till around 10 to 8 tonight. What else you got going on, pal? So the, the second situation was a, a lady who worked at a factory and had some recent absences due to a medical leave. So the company issued her one warning, two warnings, three warnings, and every time they issued her a warning, she sent them an email and she said, hey, I've received your warning, I understand that you need me to come to work, but I've submitted you a doctor's note, here's a new doctor's note, here's the doctor's note I sent you last time, I can't come to work. Of course, she gets ignored completely. They said, that's our policy, you come to work or else. So after three warnings, they suspend her. Then there's one more chance they give her. She's away again. She gives them a medical note. Nope, don't care. All because she couldn't return to work because of her medical absences. They terminate her employment. And she, she tries to tell the company that she's sick, but they just don't listen. And, and the what the company says is, well, employee, the Employment Standards Act says you get 10 days for personal emergency leave. You've used all of them up. So too bad, so sad. You have to report to work, rain or shine. She couldn't return to work, and that's why they terminated her for cause. And they told her that she was entitled to nada. Nice. So very nice, right? And and she'd been working there for about 15 years. And, And so thankfully, this lady called me, and the first thing I told her was, I have seen this before. And of course, what the company told her is total nonsense. An employer cannot terminate you for cause because you can't come to work due to a medical leave. That's what we call a non-culpable absence. So not only was this a wrongful dismissal, but because she had a medical condition, it was also a human rights violation. So I'm working with her now to negotiate a fair severance package, and luckily this company's retained an employment lawyer, a management lawyer who knows that this is a losing battle, knows who the law is, and so I really don't think it's going to be terribly difficult to resolve to get her a reasonable severance package. For uh, employers out there, what should that employer, what should they have done? Well, that employer should have determined whether they can accommodate this person. Every employer has a duty to accommodate, and that that duty is not unlimited. Uh, And if it becomes, if it gets to the point where they really cannot hold the job, cannot accommodate this person, and, and it becomes untenable, then that employer may not need to hold that job. But in 90% of the cases, uh, in, particularly when there's a large company in question, they're going to have that duty to accommodate. They're going to have to keep that job open, and they're just going to have to deal with it. And as long as that company, co- as long as that employee, excuse me, cooperates and gives those doctor's notes, then they have, they should be able to rely on their job being safe. And the great thing about this case, and the great lesson from this case, and what everyone should be doing if they're taking off a lot of time for medical leave is they were keeping up with the company. They were putting things in writing. They weren't just taking these warning letters sitting down. They were saying, hey, I gave you a doctor's note. Here it is in case you lost it. Because if she hadn't done that, what could the company have said? Well, we don't have any record of her providing a a medical note. We didn't have any idea why she was absent. So always put things in writing. And don't assume that just because you told someone or gave something to someone in person that that's going to save you later. It won't. Yeah, if you didn't write it down, it doesn't exist as far as that's concerned. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, one 225 talk You want to call in, that is toll-free. We'll get to uh, Ricky. First call. Hey, Ricky, how are you, pal? How you doing? Good, man. What's uh, what's up with you? Well, thankfully, nothing with me, but I have to ask a question about this. Mm-hmm. You've just explained how this one organization has just tried to basically make, uh, make it a living hell for an employee because of sickness and everything. But here's my question. We have employees that call you for advice, but why do these companies still persist in pulling these stunts 
not realizing that, you know, there's going to be some, you know, drawback to doing that. I mean, why don't they just, why do they not talk to you guys for saying, hey, what can we do to this employee? They keep persisting on doing this all the time. Yep. Haven't they learned yet? <laughs> you, think. A, you would think. That's, that's John a, hopes not because he has a job. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, if someone's going to call us and ask us for advice, then we're happy to help that employer. And, and, and uh, you know, as Lior says often when he's on the show, we, we beat up on employers often, but we act for employers too. And it, it's not just about beating down on employers. And often employers do the right thing. But I think, unfortunately, what some of the larger organizations have done is that they said, well, we've had, we have this epidemic where a lot of people are away because of medical absences, and maybe that's because people are working longer in life or people are paying more attention to medical conditions. There's more knowledge. I mean, I'm, I'm only speculating here. Yeah. But it may be just because they've determined, look, not everyone's going to go to an employment lawyer, and they probably get away with it some of the time. And sometimes companies just do a very crude cost-benefit analysis, and they say, hey, if we do this to 10 people Mm -hmm. and only three of them get call a lawyer, even after we pay legal fees, we're still going to be on top. Wow. (laughs) I'm just amazed by that. Well, I guess it's it's like severance too. You know why offer you know pennies on the dollar to to two hundred people because one hundred ninety eight of them won't be smart enough or at least won't be uh, have the education enough to call the lawyer. So they're playing the odds, right? I guess yeah, that must be it. Well, thank you, gentlemen. No problem, anytime. Ricky, I appreciate that call. See, and that's a question everybody has: why do they keep doing it? Because you said they're playing the odds and they're 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 banking on people not going anywhere, right? I mean, the reality is we don't know for sure. I'm not sitting there yep. in the room and I don't know. I mean, there's the other possibility is that there could be it could be a case of just one hand not knowing what the other is doing. There might be right. one person getting a medical note, not confirming that to management, management saying, hey, I need you to deal with this person, not willing to listen to the people in the supervisor positions later on, lower down, and lo and behold, that person's terminated for cause. So there could be a lot of reasons why this happens. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. It's 1-888-225-TALK. That number is toll-free. Help at employmenthour.com. Biggest mistakes individuals make that compromise their legal rights. We're going down this list uh, throughout the night in between your calls and emails as well. They wait too long to do something about changes to the terms of employment. How about that one? Yeah, this is a mistake that we see pretty often. Hmm. And when we're talking about changes to employment, a good example is an employer changing your job duties. So some people have it as an express written term in their employment agreement that is that it is permissible to change your job duties from time to time. But if you've never signed an employment agreement allowing a company to do that, then you don't have to let a company do that. So for instance, if you're a store manager and all of a sudden the company makes you an assistant store manager and you have a lot of less duties then you don't need to let the company do this. And if you do let the company do this, soon you could find yourself demoted again. Right. And you don't want that to happen. So don't wait a year. Don't wait a month. If you can, don't even wait a week. Once you wait longer than that to do something, uh, longer than a week, you run into danger of you being considered to acquiesce under the law to these changes. And they may be able to do it again. So if there's a change to your employment, speak to a lawyer, get it handled don't do anything before you speak to a lawyer, but definitely speak to someone about that. Yeah, like you said, once you kick that door open and you've accepted it, then they, they can run through it again and again. Then it can really be harmful in the future, right? Yes, that's right. That's exactly it. Yeah. We're talking about the biggest mistakes that individuals make that compromise their legal rights in between your phone calls. Uh, allow employers to lay them off temporarily. We love the layoff temporarily. That's a good one. Right. So, <sighs> so the same principle applies here. The same thing goes for a layoff. 
if you are put on a temporary layoff, typically you don't need to agree to it. Now, if there's something express in your employment agreement that you've signed that says the employer can do this, well, then you might be out of luck. But don't assume that without speaking to an employment lawyer because the vast, vast majority of the time, a layoff is a termination. And you don't want the company to be able to put you on a temporary layoff again. Right, same thing. Right. So the best way to do that, again, is to tell them you're not accepting it, speak to a lawyer, and then you can potentially treat it as a termination of your employment and get a severance package. Because as far as the law is concerned, without that explicit written agreement to the contrary, a temporary layoff is a termination. That means you get exactly the same severance that you would be entitled to if the company let you go without cause, no less. So. So all, yep, the calcu- all the calculations on, on the uh, severance pay calculator uh, will still apply to you the same way it applies to anyone else. I was just about to mention that severancepaycalculator.com. We'll get to that after we take a short break. Your phone calls, we'll get back to them as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. It's one 225 talk That number is toll-free. And emails, help at employmenthour.com. It is the Employment Hour right here on Global News Radio. Monday nights, Wednesday nights, the weekend shows as well. And if you have not caught it yet, you can catch Employment Hour in 30. That is Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. on Global TV as well. You need to get a hold of John or Lior, another member of the team. It's one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. Scott, thanks for hanging in, fella. How are you? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Good, man. What's uh, what's your concern tonight? So um, I've worked at the same uh, same place for the last eight years. Um, it, it's seasonal, okay? It's uh, yep. I have a recurring layoff at the end of November, and uh, I get called back beginning of April every year. Um, with with the new way that the budget's going to be laid out with the labor, there's a good chance there might be, a, let's say, somebody that can come in, re- replace me for um, less money, and then cut me. Now, being a seasonal, being laid off, um, am I? is that able to happen? And if it does, what maybe would be my best course of action, or do I have one? Right. That's a good question. So if you are a seasonal employee, then it absolutely can be a term of your employment that you're laid off every year. But it's also become a term of your employment after eight years that you've been called back every year. Right. So I would say if this is a situation where you are typically called back, I think you said you were working November to April. Right. So if you do not get called back when you normally get called back uh, to work in November, then that's going to be a termination. You should speak to us about negotiating a severance package because you've effectively become a, per- a permanent employee. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Thanks for your question. That's all you got. No problem. Anytime you want to get a hold of the guys at the firm, one 821 5900 or help at employmenthour.com. Uh, let's get to Danny here. Hey, Danny, how are you? Not too bad. How are you? Good. What's uh, What's going on with you? So it's not for me uh, necessarily. It's more for uh, my older sister. Mm-hmm. She was working at a pretty big company for for probably about three or four years, um, but it was a very fast-paced company. So it was kind of like you know, you know, hurry up, take your time, but hurry up type thing, right? All the time, um, and that caused a lot of um, like stress on her because you know it was such fast pace, and and she was getting the job done. Everything was fine in that sense, but it was like a lot of. Uh, yelling back and forth, you know, hurry up and do this and do that. And, and it got to the point where it became mentally stressful for her, right? Where she took a little bit of time off because it was just, it was getting so bad, it was making her physically sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she did go back, um, 
it was almost in a sense of, of harassment, I feel, because they were kind of on her even more, kind of like Xing her out type thing. So my question is now: This has happened uh, uh, probably about a year, a year ago. What is this, you know, uh, time limit that she has if she wanted to do something? Yeah, so that's a good question. So typically, you have two years from the day that you discover uh, any cause of action that you have at law, and so that's for uh, not for human rights. For human rights, if it's strictly human rights, it's one year. But for most things, it's two years. So it it may not be it. it probably is not too late to do something, but you definitely want to do something now. One of the concerns that I would have in a situation like this, because you're describing, okay, she's, it's happened a year ago and she's come back and she's been experiencing harassment for a year. So my, my first question would be whether she's been vocal about this, whether she's complained to HR. Do you know if she's done any of that or, or spoken to anyone about this? Oh, yeah. She's actually seen uh, HR as well as a doctor about it. Um, because it was getting so bad. And then she was pushing forward uh, to try with, I think, a lawyer of some sort, but nothing really came out of it. It just became so overwhelming for her because, listen, she's quiet. She's really, you know, soft-spoken. She doesn't, you know, she's that type of person, right? So uh, compared to me where I have no problem speaking my mind. Right, (laughs) right. The... um, she just kind of just like let it drift away off into the sunset. And, and I said to her, I'm like, you know, you should do something because of this. And she hasn't really worked since because now she feels like any position that she applies for, that's always in the back of her mind of being, you know, yelled at, screamed at all the time. It was just, it was crazy. So she had to resign from this company? Pretty much, yes. Okay. So she, she may very well have a claim for constructive dismissal. And if she's resigned less than two years ago, then it wouldn't be too late to do something about it. So what I'm going to recommend is, is have her give us a call off air. We'll talk about it in more detail. We can figure out what her entitlements will be because they could be significant. If we're, if we're talking about a constructive dismissal, you can also claim for human rights damages in a case like that if it relates directly to a mental illness, which would be considered a, a disability. So she should definitely give us a call, and I, I wouldn't wait because really the, the longer you wait, typically the, long, the harder it is to deal mm-hmm. with it. Perfect. Okay, great. Thank you, Danny. That number, one 821 5900 Again, one 821 5900 Get you, get her to make that call. Help at employmenthour.com. And uh, we'll get to uh, David here. Hey, David, uh, good evening. Uh, hello there. What's going on? Um, well, I'm a small business owner, family business, that used to be a union shop when my father bought it. Now, when we got in trouble with, uh, you know, couldn't do well, whatever, we let our one or two employees go, paid their benefits, made sure they were covered with the union. But here's the thing. We decertified, which was a huge problem, but we did decertify. Uh, I had a client of mine, uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, an employee that worked for me for 30 years. Um and we finally were down to just a family. I let him go, and I'm not sure. He worked for this for 30 years out of high school. I'm not sure uh, what his severance should be. Okay. Uh, and how old is this person who you let go? Uh, he is probably, he's already, uh, he's probably, well, I'm, he's probably 55. Okay, and what was Six. Okay, and what was his position? 
Uh, he was a, a pressman. A pressman. Uh, it's a printing company. Right. So we're actually, you know, the, the printing industry is is sort of very active in employment law these days because we're we're, we're seeing a lot of people have to cut down because of, of changes in the economy. Exactly, and and, yeah. and yeah, we're down to my two brothers and myself. Um, right. But here's 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 my my problem. Mm-hmm. If if the severance pay, which okay, maybe he's he's it could bankrupt the company. Right. Well, here's here's the the t- I guess the tough pill to swallow in in a case like this, and this isn't the end of it. And there's there there is a a silver lining that that we can certainly talk about more off air. But okay, what the law says is it doesn't matter if you're a small business or a large business. The notice required is the same for everyone. So the law says, yeah. look, you can give them working notice, uh, which often makes sense for for really small organizations. You can give them. Uh, payment in lieu of notice, you can do it by a salary continuance, but you have yeah. to give them the same severance package you would do whether you're, you know, you know, Joe's, uh, Joe's printing shop or, yeah, your, yeah. you know, Walmart Canada. It doesn't make yeah. a difference. So someone like this is probably going to be entitled to, at, at a bare minimum, 20 months of their pay, and it could be okay. more than that. But, yeah. I mean, the, the other thing about this is if you're going to help this person find a job, you can significantly reduce that liability. Uh-huh. Uh, and you can re- you reduce it to the point where it's only a fraction of what it was before. So it's it's often it's always a good thing as an employer, especially if you've got someone who's been working for you for thirty years, to you know don't be antagonistic towards this employee. Work with that employee, help them to right. find a job. It's going to reduce your liability so significantly. So if you'd like, I'd, I'm happy to talk about this more off air with you, and oh, okay, uh, and we can talk about various strategies to reduce your liability because I don't know how much this individual was making, but I imagine that you know one to two years of their pay is probably going to be a pretty big hit for a company like yours, and you definitely want to try and reduce that as much as possible. Well, exactly, because I, I'm, you know, I listen to your program a lot, and I'm thinking the severance packages, like, we'd have to declare bankruptcy. Right, right. And, and that's a fair point. And, you know, like I was saying a minute ago, we we sometimes beat up in employers here, but a lot of times uh, it is difficult being an employer. It, it's it's not easy, and, and especially in, in the printing industry, we're seeing a lot of companies have to cut down, make difficult decisions, and and deal with employees who often aren't very employable and, and may be out of the job market for a while. So the best right. thing you can do as an yeah. employer in that situation is to yeah. help them find a job and, and do everything in your power to make their job search as short as possible. So definitely gotcha. give us a call off air, and okay. happy to chat about that in more detail. Okay. David, how, you're, you. um, you this employer, David, let me ask you a question before you go. You yes. said 30-year employee. How long ago did you decertify? How long have you been non-union? Uh, actually, he came to us and said, "Why am I in the union? It doesn't. It's not doing me any good." Uh, probably ten years ago. Would that make a difference, John? If he's twenty years union employee, but only ten non-union, would that make a difference to his severance? Not likely. I mean, no. The, way. I, I, if at the point of termination, he's not in a union. Then right. what the law is going to likely do is they're going to look at his entire uh, tenure, his entire years. His whole service, service, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks, David. Again, that's uh, number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Get a hold of John uh, tomorrow after the show. Do it uh, when you can and help at employmenthour.com. That's an interesting call because you got a thirty year guy there. Yeah, you're probably talking northwards at that age, maybe close to twenty four months. Yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough yeah. to be a, a small employer, and and I have 
especially because a lot of employers that we act for are the sort of smaller organizations. And so, uh, you know, I, I certainly have sympathy for, for that individual. And you, there's, the, the good news is there are ways, if you're willing to be a sort of what we call the benevolent employer, if you're willing to give them that reference letter to help them yeah. along that job search, to make some phone calls, to go to bat for them, you can reduce your liability significantly. But you have to be willing to recognize what the consequences are if you don't. Yeah. Uh, the number 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, one 225 talk That number is toll-free if you haven't checked it out yet, severancepaycalculator.com. It's been uh, used by uh, well over 400,000 individuals now. It'll tell you exactly what your severance offer should be, and there's contact at the bottom of that. You can either walk away anonymous or get a hold of John or Leo or someone else at the firm and uh, carry on from there. We're talking about continuing the biggest mistakes that individuals make that compromise their legal rights. You had one of these. You you uh, went through this with one of your week that was cases, and that is not staying in touch with their employee when they're on medical leave. You got to do that, right? Right. So the person that I was talking about, fortunately, did not make this mistake, yeah. and we saw how much of a difference that made. Uh, and this is a, a pretty critical one because what a lot of employers will employees who are on a medical leave will say, "Well, I'm on a medical leave. The company knows I'm sick, so I don't have to do anything until they tell me." The thing is, while yes, a company does have a duty to accommodate you, an employee, as an employee, you also have a duty to cooperate. And the best way to show that cooperation is to see your doctor regularly, send up updated doctor's notes every couple of weeks. If your doctor is being asked to fill out a note or what's called often a functional abilities form, get that form filled out. And keep in mind that a company cannot ask about your diagnosis, but they can ask about your prognosis. How long is this person going to be sick How uh, and, and out of work? What are the natures of the accommodations that they're going to need when they get back? And these are legitimate questions that a company can and should ask to determine how they can and if they can meet their duty to accommodate. And uh, the consequences of not staying in touch with an employer while you're on a medical leave are that you may be faced with a letter threatening you with abandonment of employment. And the employer will say, well, employee, we haven't heard from you in three to four months, so we're assuming that you're not coming back to work. Then the company pays no severance, and you don't want this to happen because this is going to make your life harder. It's going to make the task for your employment lawyers much more expensive, much more complicated. So keep up to date with your doctor. Talk to the company. Don't just rely on talking to the disability provider. Talk to the company, your HR representative, your manager, your supervisor, and do it on a regular basis. Compromising your legal rights. Here's another one too, and we, you know, we, you talk about this. Lior talks about this. If it's not written down, it doesn't exist. Not having written records of important events or conversations, you gotta have it. Exactly. That's what I say. If it, if it's not in writing, it might as well not exist because it's going to be he said, he said, she said, he said, and you just don't want to be in that situation. So if you've just had, for example, an important meeting with your boss where some allegations have been made against you, put it in an email. Write an email after that meeting. Talk about what was said. Talk about what your response is. If someone has said something that's unfair, then talk about why it's unfair. And sometimes what an employer will do, and I've actually seen this happen a few times in the last couple of weeks, is fire someone while they're on a medical leave, do it verbally, and tell them not to come back. Then we get into the picture to negotiate a severance package, and the employer tries to play dumb. And they say, well, what do you mean? We don't know what you're talking about. Well, we thought this person was just on a medical leave. And then you get in a very difficult situation. You can't negotiate your severance, but you're at a place where you have, you're being asked to come back to a company that you know doesn't want you back there. Don't make that mistake. It's going to be very hard for a company to argue that you weren't fired if you have put it in writing into an email yeah. that, hey, this is what happened. We talked. 
I was told that I can't come back to work. I was told that I wasn't going to be paid a severance package. I was going to be give, I was going to be given eight weeks or something like that. If you put that into an email and the company, or even better, the company responds and confirms that that's what happened, it's just going to mean that negotiating your severance is going to be quicker. And as employment lawyers, we're also going to have much more leverage in terms of negotiating a larger severance package. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, 1-888-225-TALK is the number toll free to ask your question tonight. Hey, David, how are you? Oh, hi. Uh, Yeah, my question is for uh, JP. Uh, um, he he said a moment ago the statute of limitation for uh, human rights violation is one year. If it's only if it's only a human rights violation, if there's nothing else, so it's it's one year. If, for example, you've been harassed at work, but you're still working there, um, and or if someone has done something, or, or, or if someone oh, let's, say, let's say let's say let me be more specific. Let's sure, say if sure. I were fire. And I have a feeling that is uh, eight discriminations. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. That statute of elimination is also for one year? No. So in that case, it's different. In that case, it's two years. So how long ago did it happen, David? Uh, close to one year. Close okay. Year. So you're, you're still good. You're still good. And you should still give us a call because it's not too late. Uh, because in, in situations where you've been terminated from your employment, the regular limitation period of two years is still going to apply. Now, there may be a human rights uh, aspect that goes with it, uh, exactly, a human rights component that goes with it, but it's not going to be too late because in your case, the thrust of, of your claim, the thrust of your entitlement is, and the majority of your entitlement is going to be for severance. And so absolutely, if it's been less than two years, it is not too late. Give us a call. We can deal but, with but, both issues. But, but the human rights claim, yes, would it also extend to two years in this case? It lumped into the reason for, uh, you know... Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good question. So, yeah, yes, absolutely, David. So that you, we can do both of those things together because they are both as a part of what we call the same cause of action. Okay, so so therefore, the one year limitation is not applicable in this case. No, no, definitely give us a call. Uh, you can't go to the human rights tribunal; it'll be too late for that. But we can still help you in other ways. David, that number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and it is help at employmenthour.com. You want to send an email, get a hold of John on your own time, but uh, do it. And do it quickly. want to get one more point in here before we bounce to another call. We're talking about the biggest mistakes individuals make that compromise their legal rights. They quit uh, because they feel they have no choice. They bail. Right. So, so this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. I mean, it's one thing to resign because you have another opportunity right. or you just aren't enjoying the job anymore. But if you feel like you're being pushed out, your pay's been reduced, you're experiencing severe harassment that's not being dealt with by HR, your job duties have been taken away or some other major problem at work, talk to us. Give us a call at ST Law and let's work through these issues together. Maybe you don't need to quit. Many times I'm not just negotiating a severance package, but rather negotiating a return to work. And sometimes there's nothing better than seeing an employee, particularly a long service employee, salvage their careers at the company and have that problem they were experiencing before resolved. That's often a way that we can do this. And yes, sometimes the result, sometimes the right move is to quit, mm-hmm. but you can't do it without speaking to an employment lawyer. You bet. Be- because if you do it prematurely, uh, then you're not only giving up your job, you're giving up your severance, and you don't want to make that mistake. 
one 821 5900 That is the number, by the way, to call after the show. Get a hold of John or Leo or another member of the team. Help at employmenthour.com is the email. We'll get to uh, Nick here. Hey, Nick, good evening. Good evening. Um, I don't know if I can phrase this the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, just bear with me if you don't mind. Um, I work for a company that was a standalone company and now has emerged, has amalgamated two other companies within the one company. And from a shared services point of view, the department that I work in, we're doing the shared services for all three companies. And meanwhile, the rest of the company is still standalone and running independently. Are we entitled to any, is that a change in services? Are we entitled to get additional monies for the additional work that we're doing in comparison to the rest of the company, if that makes any sense? Yeah, no, that that does make sense. And that's actually a pretty common scenario. So... You know, in that situation, the, the question is going to be, uh, has has your compensation effectively been reduced, right? Are you working more for the same amount of money? And if you're working yes. 50% more but getting the same amount of money, then, well, then th- that could be considered at law a reduction in your compensation. And if it's a large enough reduction in your compensation, it could be a constructive dismissal. The truth is there's no easy answer to this, and, and it's huh. the kind of question that we'd want to explore over I think a longer consultation. I'd also want to know how many more hours you're spending, how much you earn, how long this has been in effect, what kinds of communications have been sent, if they've given you any options. So there's there's a lot of questions I would have about that scenario. But depending on how significant the additional work is, I mean, if you're if you've gone from working 40 hours a week to 70 hours a week, and you're getting the same pay you were before, I mean, effectively that could be considered a reduction in compensation, right? And that could be a problem. Well, it's, it's also more the stress level. Like, we took on 1,200 more accounts than we originally had, mm-hmm. somewhere around that range. And, you know, the amount of hours is early in the morning, late at night kind of thing. Right. And right. it's the additional, you know, working. They, they're trying to keep the three companies separate, but they try to keep the, the company the same, if you follow what I'm saying, from a shared services point of view. Right. So well, you have a different business, three separate sales teams. Three separate customer service teams, so three, you know, marketing marketing yeah. programs are separate. So I'm just wondering if there's an avenue to have a conversation about this, or is it just basically? Well, definitely you want to have a conversation about it. And another thing that I'll say is that it sounds like legally these would be considered for the purposes of your employment entitlements, uh, what we call common employers, right? Effectively, you're working for three companies, but really it's the same job uh, and they're all employing you in the same capacity and knowingly in the same capacity. So that that's one aspect of this. But really the more immediate question here is have the changes that have been imposed, are they so significant that they constitute a constructive dismissal? And, and the answer is, is that it really will depend on the situation. But it sounds like there's definitely something potentially problematic there. So uh, Nick, I, I do recommend that you give us a call off air. Happy to chat about it more. Uh, again, there's a, there's a lot more questions that we want to ask about this situation, but it, it could be something that justifies our uh, intervention. Okay. Thank you for your time. You're very welcome. Appreciate that, Nick. That number, one 821 5900 Help at employmenthour.com. And if you haven't used it yet and want to check it out, severancepaycalculator.com. Find out exactly what that severance should be. Well, uh, we'll wrap it up with an email or two. We'll get one from uh, Sandra here. She says, I've been given notice that my employment will terminate in three months. Can I get severance if I quit before that time? 
Good question and an important question. And no, Sandra, you unfortunately, you must work through that working notice period in order to get your severance. And if you quit, that will be a resignation and you will not be entitled to anything more than you've already been paid your wages up to your last day of work. So now the employer can't change any of the conditions of your employment during that time. But if you want to get your severance package, uh, then you're going to have to work that full period. And I would give us a call because you you may be owed additional severance once that working period ends. So if you still don't have a new job lined up by the end of that working notice period, we can likely help you uh, to negotiate for more. And this, of course, will all depend on the typical factors, your age, your position, length of service. We'll get to Paul here to wrap it up. Paul says, I've been working for 10 years under a telecommuting arrangement. I live two hours from work, but now the company says that I have to report to work every day. I no longer have the option to work telecommuting. Uh, Do I accept this? Do I need to? Yeah, that's that's a good question. And this is an area of law that is evolving. And basically what the law says in this situation is it's really going to depend on what the deal was with the company, right? And if you've right. been working for that long under a telecommuting arrangement, then likely what the court is going to say is, well, that's that's basically a fundamental term of your employment. And if you're the, in a situation where now you've got to spend an extra two two hours or one hour even on the, on the 401 and you're now losing time out of your life and you're losing the ability to work remotely, then the court may say that, hey, this is actually a termination. So uh, this is what I, w- what I would recommend you do. Give us a call. Let's look at your situation. I'd like to look at your employment agreement as well because we need to make sure that your employment agreement does not permit this. Mm-hmm. But provided that there's nothing explicit permitting that saying, hey, we can pull the rug from under you any time, that's very likely going to be a termination. And the entitlements in a situation like that could be very significant. Good for another night, my friend. We'll uh, take it from there. Back on here Wednesday nights uh, with Lior. The weekend shows as well. You want to get a hold of anybody at the firm, Lior, John, 1-855-821-5900. It is help at employmenthour.com, severancepaycalculator.com. You want to find out what your entitlement should be. If you're given a severance offer, guarantee you're going to want to use that because it's going to be short. And if you haven't caught it yet, Employment Hour and 30, that is Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. on Global TV. Done for the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour on point with Alex Pearson is coming right up. This is Global News Radio.